Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Roses and Weeds, a City of Tyler podcast that explores the roses, great things happening here in our community, and gets into the weeds about any current events or issue facing our town. one of your hosts. My name is Sam Brady, and I'm joined, as always, by Veronica Brady. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming back for another thrilling adventure into the roses and the weeds. How are you doing today, Veronica? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thank you, Sam. You know, I've missed recording this podcast. It's been way too long. It's been years. We need to make it not so long in between when we record episodes like this and, you know, whatever we record for the last yeah. ages. Can't even remember. <laughs> so... Uh, Sam, it's not just me and you, of course, in the studio today. We are joined by a friend of the show, um, excellent mom, excellent employee, Jenny Wells. Hello there. Hi. Certifiable great human being, Jenny Wells. Oh, y'all are going to embarrass me. Yeah. (laughs) We're getting you one of those uh, cool uh, beef stickers that's like grade A. Jenny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just make sure my boss sees it. Yeah, of course. It A compliment is nothing if it's not put on a podcast and published for exactly. the whole city to hear. Do you hear that, Julie? That annual review just came up. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jenny Wells is works with the communications department here at the city of Tyler. We get to work closely with Jenny, and that's always a delight. She's, she's a very fun person to work with. Now, Jenny, I think you know what this us spending some time with you here on the show is about today, but I want to see if I can surprise you with a question. We recently had a candid conversation about our last years professionally and just all the things that have happened to the... Would you mind briefly summarizing some of the bullet points of your past year for us and for the listeners at home? So this past year has just been a really great growing opportunity. Um, I work for the city, so in my position as a communications professional, as I get the unique opportunity to not only work with the media and external customers, but I get to work with 28 different departments within the city of Tyler. Um, And then recently I added on getting to specialize and work on some projects with the police department and the fire department. And I've had some really, really great opportunities to grow as a professional and to learn that I really and truly am focusing towards emergency management and loving learning that side of things because Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's an opportunity I would have been given had I not been at the city and had we not had uh, I would almost say a shortage of people and and you know different skill sets so it works to your advantage having different skill sets and having a low amount of people sometimes you just get to step in and get your hands dirty and learn a new trade and have to learn it pretty quickly. So it's been a really good opportunity. Well, I think that really speaks to what the communications department does, because one of the things that I don't think the average person really expects to deal with is that, you know, if you're filling out a form on the website, most of the time, that's going to go to a communications uh, specialist here in the city. So it's really interesting is just seeing the progress that the department has made in kind of 
giving departments a little more control over taking in those forms themselves. But what's been really interesting is just seeing all of the people in the department grow and just get better at these amazing special projects that they're doing. And of course, the communications uh, department is in charge of just those small things as well. But they're also in charge of these really huge events that get put on by the city. And then, of course, like Jenny was saying, emergency management. And if you don't know what that is, a lot of times emergency emergency management from where Jenny stands is making sure that, you know, when something is happening, how do we effectively communicate that to everyone in the community? And that can actually be a really challenging thing because you have to really decide like, okay, who exactly needs this information? What's the clearest possible way that we can get that to them? And a lot of people maybe don't think about that as, uh, you know, such a big deal, but it really is so critical for people getting services and having their needs met by, uh, by their local government. So... Yeah, I've recently gotten to actually do a, another podcast for an outside organization who just spoke to me strictly about crisis communication mm-hmm. and having a plan and where do you go from here and who in your organization needs to have that plan. And I think one of the things that the group took away from is if you're in crisis and you don't have a plan and you're ready to start doing it, it's too late. Yeah. You're already there. So because they asked me, when do you need to plan and when do you have something I said, when nothing's happening. Yeah. Make Otherwise sure your you, crisis turns into chaos. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that you can effectively manage that crisis so that it's not chaotic and make mm-hmm. sure that you can have a conversation ahead of time and do the good, the bad, and the ugly scenarios in your head. Like if you think it's going to be terrible, what is the worst that could happen? And then when the worst does happen or doesn't, it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Sure putting serious thought into that, it, it just puts my mind at ease knowing there are public servants like that who are thinking on those calm days about those more difficult days and preparing for those difficult days. I've had a couple of opportunities to work with Jenny in preparing for some of those challenging days, and it, it just really makes me feel good about the institutions that are serving us, like Tyler and and others, that they are putting these serious thought, and, and Jenny is one of those, those strong players in that. So what we want to do with Jenny Wells today is do a bit of an employee spotlight. Jenny Wells has not only had an amazing amazing last professional year in her career here at the Steve Tyler and did amazing things. We're so happy to to have her, but she has had a lot of big personal things happen last thing that are, that are very notable. You've, you've done some remarkable things. Uh, Veronica or, or Jenny, did you want to go into what, what Jenny yeah, has most recently so done? One of the things that I really love about Jenny is how giving of her time she is. The first time that I met Jenny, she was extremely stressed out. It was at a safety meeting that we both had to attend. She was very stressed out of what I doesn't matter because immediately she thought, oh, there's a new person that I don't know. And she took the time to just say, hi, I'm Jenny. We had a good five minute conversation and then she kind of just got back into work mode. And I thought, you know, it was one of those really interesting times where when you know someone is really too busy to talk to you, but they're really kind and they don't miss those moments to be a truly good human being and just stop and talk to you. So that was really important to me. And it really helped me, you know, as I have moved through the organization as well, remember to stop and take time to be a part of the fabric of this community to be kind to one another. And so I wanted to talk to Jenny today and Sam, of course, as well. But we wanted to talk to Jenny about one of her most recent episodes of kindness where she had the opportunity to be a donor uh, after how many years ago was it that you actually registered to donate bone marrow? So I joined the bone marrow registry in May of 2016. 
Oh, wow. So it's only been two years. But of course, when you register, they tell you you've got just like a one to two percent chance of ever matching with anybody. And then mm. what you don't realize is even just because you match with somebody doesn't mean that you're the right match for that person. There's, mm-hmm. So there's it's a really long process and, and you get the email or the notification and then you have to go through all these agreements. And then they say, all right, well, we need to send blood work and see if even further you would be. A match so you actually have two or three and even up to the day of opportunities to say you know what I'm not okay with this I'm not comfortable and that's actually been I was speaking with this company that I work with um, they that's what they've been running into lately is they'll get somebody it matches but you know maybe they weren't serious about donating and so oh. these people who had a potential match all of a sudden don't have one any longer because people don't realize what it takes to be mm-hmm. a donor sometimes. So what does it take to be a donor? So it was really easy to get on the registry. I was actually, so we were at a family function. I think it was a birthday party for one of our, our nieces and nephews. And my husband and I both registered that day because one of the people's kids in their classes, so she's a teacher, mm-hmm. she had actually a little girl who needed somebody to find a match. So. The more the idea of it is, the more people that are on the registry, the more opportunity for people to have this match or get a match. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. The more people available, the more people that could be potentially matched. So I just did it. All right, that's fine. Whatever. Didn't really think about it. Um, it's real easy. You actually just get a cotton swab that they provide and you swab it in your mouth on the inside of your cheek for a minute and then you pack it up and send it. So super easy process, fill out some paperwork. And then I ended up getting an email in March of this year and it said, hey, you've matched with somebody. Can you contact us? Can we call you and talk to you further? So I didn't even think twice. I, before I pretty much told anybody, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I (laughs) called somebody, I called him back and they walk through the process with me. So there's a misconception about bone marrow donations these days. They think the old school way is still some of the ways that you do it. So when I say that old school way, people are imagining that a giant needle went into my hip bone and pulled and sucked the marrow out of it. Well, that is one way, but there's also another way and it is called, it's through apheresis. And what they do is they give me injections. Well, and this is the process I went through. So they gave me injections of this medicine called filgrastum, which its job is to pull the bone marrow into my bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And so what then they're able to do is after five consecutive days of this, these injections, which make you feel terrible, by the way. So I feel like having the flu, weak, tired. I just oh, it felt awful. But what it's doing is it's pulling that bone marrow into your bloodstream and then they hook me up to a machine and just like you would donate platelets, they pull the stem cells and everything through your blood. So they're Mm, running it through. mm -hmm. So it wasn't a invasive surgical procedure. Now it did, I did have to sit in a seat for seven hours. My donation took seven hours. And so my back and my feet hurt pretty bad just from (laughs) staying still, but it wasn't invasive and I just got to sit there and I watched movies on my phone and read books or talk to people on the phone. So 
And that's awesome because you were able to extend someone's life by making that small sacrifice. Um, I, I, of course, after hearing your whole story and everything, I also registered on the website. And we'll, if you're interested in registering and you're very serious about making that commitment of both time and whatever it takes to help someone else extend their life, that will be in the show notes for you. But um, one of the things that I thought was really cool was it's so simple to just go in and do it. But you know, people aren't seeing like, oh, there's this full commitment. And I thought that it was really nice that you've been spotlighted. And um, so people can just see like, hey, it's a a small amount of discomfort. You know, you feel like you have the flu and then it's eight hours, but you actually get to do something that is a lifelong benefit to someone else. And I thought that was really great. And I really applaud you for for taking that. it. um, (laughs) It was one of those things that actually when it was happening, I think there was a handful of people. When I got, I started the process in March and I talked to my boss, Julie, about it and I talked to my husband and my mom and and maybe one or two other close friends and really up until donation day, I didn't tell a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm. I didn't, it's not about being seen for that. It's about, mm-hmm. and, and the only reason I, I enjoy and love talking about it now is because if I can get somebody like you and Sam on the registry, that means there's another potential person to right. save someone else's life. And, you know, the only thing I know about my person that I donated to is that she's female and that she was 49. And I know the disease she had and it, it when I looked at the, the disease and everything, it gave her a life expectancy of two years without treatment. Oh, wow. And my mom just turned 50, and it was like, this is someone that's my mom's age that that could have a new grandson or could have Mm -hmm. a daughter in college and another one that's working in the career or or even younger kids than that. And if I can give that person the opportunity to live their life with their spouse, with their family, their, their aunts, their uncles, their nephews... Um, if I can give them the chance to enjoy just another day on this earth, that's that's all it takes. It is not really. Oh, sure. I never had second thoughts. And I think I underprepared myself for going in because the day of the donation was very hard. Um, it's, it is tough on your body. Mm-hmm. And I had some weird side effects that they hadn't seen before. And that's okay. <laughs> but leave it to me to see that. But I was asked, would you do it again? And it was, again, yeah. It was a couple of days of not feeling great and sure some weird side effects, but now I know to expect them and I'd do it again. That's great. That's real. And so Jenny is so humble about all of this because I did not find out about this and it was well after March that she was telling me. I think I told you like a day or two before. Yeah. Oh, when I'm I was like, out of the office. Why are you going to be out of the office? Oh. So I've got this bone marrow donation thing. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this seems like a big life event. <laughs> I just didn't, I, like I said, it wasn't something that I was telling a whole lot of people. And the reason that I do want to tell people now is because, again, it's not about me, but it's about whoever this woman is. If it has ex- helped her life and, and made it more comfortable, that's what it's about. Sure. And it means that somebody's inspired to go to the website and and be a donor and become a donor then that's that's what 
the purpose of this is. Those echo donations, I think, what is so touching to me about your story and then other stories that I have heard about donations like that is there was uh, a kid in your friend's class or somebody you knows class who had a disease who needed that. And as a result, you were inspired to become a donor. How many other people were inspired based off of that person's story and that person's need? And then you have this story that you continue to tell that has already today inspired new people to sign up and will inspire more mm-hmm. like that. And just every single person who gets a successful match and a successful donation, so many people have touched that story in that way. It's this big web of people who are choosing to help one another and to inspire other people to decide to open themselves up to help one another in that way. So, And so if you are a person that is unable to donate uh, for any reason, there are, of course, health reasons why you wouldn't be an eligible match or right. why you could not donate. Um, if you go to the website, I mean, you can just Google this in and we'll also just uh, put this in the show notes, show notes as well. But I am not one for typing in websites. I type in some keywords into Google. But I found the website just DKMS donor, and that was really all I needed. It took me 90 seconds, literally, to do the entire form. Um, But if you're not someone that can donate, there is also a really great opportunity for you to donate funds for that. So every small amount helps. And these are, you know, blood cancers that people are, you know, living and surviving through. So it's a really important thing. And we really appreciate you for taking the time to come in and highlight this and, you know, let people know what your experience was. Because I know, I I don't think I've ever talked to another donor before, at least not that I can remember. And I will say that my opportunity to work with DKMS was awesome the entire way through. They know how big of a decision it was, even if I Maybe should have thought a little bit more about it. I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Sure, cool. But they walk you through everything. They explain everything. They send you information and you're assigned through. So you have different kind of steps as you go through the process. And as they do, they assign a a caseworker with you and and they call you and they check up on you. And in fact, recently I had lunch with, um, she's just one of the ladies that helps do the DKMS recruiting and everything. So there's another donor in Tyler, and she donated a couple of years ago, and she had been on the list for nine years. Wow. And her donor is, or person that received her donation is overseas, and because of the international law, she really can't know anything about that person at all. I do believe that they know it's female and that potentially in Greece, but that's all. And, um, So it's really great. DKMS is one of the international places. Now, the person that I've donated to um, is stateside. So there's potential here in a year that I could have correspondence with that person um, if they so choose and if I so choose. Mm -hmm. They allow that. I should be coming up on the three-month mark, which means I should hopefully get an update on how the transplant went. Hmm. Well, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. That is so spectacular. Jenny Wells. Yes. Question for you. Yes, Sam Brady. So this this donation that you did, mm-hmm. pretty big thing. You mentioned it was a lot of working up to it, having it happen, seven-hour procedure. How much time off of work did you take, Jenny Wells? I was gone for one day. One day. <laughs> so my donation was on a Tuesday, and I got back to Tyler from – so I did the donation in Dallas – 
I got back to Tyler that night about six o'clock, and I was at council the next. <laughs> folks, spoken like a true communication <laughs> yes, professional. Yes, I was about to say, folks, your communication employees at City of Tyler are working hard for you. <laughs> yes, I was at council the next day. In fact, that's why they'd wanted to do it the week before, and I said, "Ooh, I've got, I've got State of the City this week, and I just can't <laughs> miss that opportunity." and my boss might kill me if I miss that day. So let's do it the next day, but we can't do it Wednesday because I have counsel. Let's do it Tuesday. <laughs> and so how about the next day? So I know that you did feel sick and or not well, at least right. um, during your donation. Did you feel OK the next day or did it take a little time for you to really feel 100 percent? So it took a little bit of time, but I will say so what the Phil Grassin, which is that medicine they inject mm-hmm. you with and it's pulling all the bone around so as soon as they finish the donation that part feels better because they pulled all of that stuff out of your bloodstream that's mm-hmm. making you feel terrible um but what what i did experience which was one of those weird side effects is <laughs> i kind of swelled up like a balloon <laughs> i retained a lot of the weird water weight so they also give you a coagulant for your blood so that it's not clotting when it goes through the machine and so that just made me feel really strange like my face was going numb and everything and that's a common side effect um there was some other additional side effects that i experienced and including the water weight so it took me a couple of hours but by the time i got back to tyler from the drive i was feeling much more myself i was ready to eat i was feeling a lot better and then i'd say by the next day i was still a little puffy but i the only other side effect i had was being tired and it took me about two or three days to get over that, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a mom to a two-year-old who doesn't sleep through the night, so I'm used to being tired all the time. <laughs> this is not a big deal. So it was like you were prepping for this really exactly. for two years. Yeah. I have so. been ready for this like the, <laughs> since he was born. So. Wow, they got such an eye of the tiger <laughs> donator in you. <laughs> Jenny Wells, what's something special about Tyler you've been able to see through your position? Oh, I grew up in Tyler, so what's been neat about... Being here is seeing how it's changed and seeing it grow. One of the reasons when I I moved to Miami to go to school and never wanted to come back because Miami and Tyler are on such different spectrums as far as culture and progressiveness. And I will say in the last six years since I've moved back to Tyler that I've seen it become very progressive and I've seen it make strides in being a great place for everybody to live. Mm-hmm. Is it mm-hmm. perfect? No. Is anywhere you live perfect? No. No. But we're making changes and we're we're learning to love each other because of who they are, not because of what color they are or what religion they are. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing, you know, the synagogue partner with the mosque out here and they've done community events together and it's 10 years ago i mean i grew up here never no that would never happen Mm. but i i love seeing that there's an influx of younger people coming here and they're they're wanting change and they want to see acceptance for everybody Mm -hmm. it's really and truly like we are to go back to the donation thing like i don't know anything about her all i know is she has the opportunity to live a better life and everybody should be given that chance. Sure. So it doesn't matter where, what walk of life we come from or who we grew up with. Everybody mm-hmm. should be given a chance to thrive and flourish. 
Absolutely. That's an excellent answer, Jenny. It sure is. It's been an honor spotlighting you on this. It's a true rose that we're presenting to everyone here of Tyler. An outstanding individual to work with and to know, Jenny Wells. So thank you so much for your time today. If you've got any questions for the Roses and Weeds, you can email us at publicrelations at tylertexas.com or hashtag Roses and Weeds. Then you have City of Tyler social media. And we'll be back with you with an update soon. Thank you.